Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm I'm guessing the time that you're going to be listening to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is Matthew Rosenberg. I am a comics writer and apparently now a podcaster mm-hmm. or pretending to be one. Congratulations. And this is, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> lateral moves. Lateral moves. Uh, and this is the podcast known as Ideas Don't Bleed. I had to look yeah. at the little thing at the top of the screen to remember what we called this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am joined today by my lovely supple partners in crime hey i i, I hate saying it i hate saying it so you don't much. have to at some you don't point, have to it's at, not in at, the contract at you some point we're gonna discuss where it comes from uh-huh why sure. why you guys are called the supple boys the mind of ryan stegman is i assumed it's such a disgusting thing i assume yes. it came from ryan stegman yes uh it's disgusting and, but the reason we stick with it is because no one ever forgets it because they hate <laughs> saying it so much it's, mm-hmm. it's true mm-hmm. it's disgusting and it's and it's and everybody seems to like it and it makes yeah. my skin crawl <laughs> uh, <laughs> the the supple boys we are the supple boys ethan hello. and griffin Hi, hello, hello. hello gentlemen i'm matt Hi, Matt. I'm so happy to be here with you on another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, your hit podcast. <laughs> it's, it's a, uh, I don't think we have the numbers yet because we haven't put any podcasts out yet. But my understanding is that the head of Apple thinks that we're going to be the number one podcast of all time. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that correct? Is that what you guys have heard? Tim Cook sent you an email in the middle of the night to say, you've broken Apple Podcasts. Also, uh, can you help me? I think someone used my credit card to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who Tim Cook is. This was a guy named Apple who emailed me. But, oh, okay. yes, I think we're doing it. I think, you know. This is this is it. This is the height of pinnacle of success. Mm-hmm. And in that, I wanted to make it even more special in our whatever number episode this is, because sometimes mm-hmm. we may be taping them and recording, putting them out out of order. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to take us to new heights we've never reached before and have a very special guest. And I think I accomplished that. Our special guest today is Mr. Jerry Duggan. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Matthew. I'm so <laughs> glad to be here with you and the supples. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds it every time it sounds worse. It sounds it's like expert it's expert branding. You're gonna have to get on board. <laughs> no, it's really good. Yeah. It is really yeah. good. You were uh, you guys probably played it right by not telling me that that's what you were tag teaming as before I got into the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think we're already like an explicit content podcast just by like I having that so. in the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> probably can't even be on iTunes. We're like this podcast has supple <laughs> boys definitely not running. Like there's if there's any kind of algorithm, we are locked out of it. Now. Well, yeah. <laughs> think about the fact that we have we for a time had to plug the URL suppleboys.com. I think we're on a lot of watch lists. <laughs> I do I do feel like the more you say it, the worse it all gets for you. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. All right, Thanks so we'll, 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 we'll try and be reserved about it. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, there's there's a good chance the you guys can't, can't fly the on planes. we now. have to change it. We're the artists formerly known as the SUPS. 
so yeah, uh, Jerry, let's talk about things that aren't disgusting. Um, <laughs> let By us talk. Let us talk. We're gonna yeah. We're not gonna talk about your upcoming book about monster dicks just yet <laughs> although that is a book that exists correct Fuck yeah. uh yes it was um uh the project was codenamed king dong uh i spoke to my look in a very simple way we just i along with scott koblish we uh worked for years on on deadpool together and i was saying to him hey it'd be fun to do something together create our own Mm-hmm. You know, I have a couple of ideas and it actually mirrors exactly how I got started on, on Deadpool with Brian back in the day. That's I beautiful. Pitched a couple of ideas. Then there was the idea to make Scott laugh mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, and then we'll pick something else. And I was like, it's an anatomically correct monster attack. The monster comes ashore and <laughs> roars, but not out of the end that you are accustomed to seeing in a hundred years of Kaiju. <laughs> it takes a big giant three-story shit and it goes downhill mm-hmm. from there but it's just it's a physical monster with physical needs and um it's definitely something that you have not seen before mm-hmm. um i will challenge everyone uh, about that you know you you've never seen a, a um a monster uh and you know like all good monster books mm-hmm. it's it's also a parable for our our you know godzilla was mm-hmm. you know a great metaphor for the atomic age here we we're we're tackling global warming via right. very warm poo and other um, mon- monsterly secretions. But it opens with a very classy quote from the great philosopher Roger Ebert. Um, I do think it's the I, th- I think it's the uh, I think uh, truly we do like a good job of working in a lot of. Uh, of, of smart jokes around all of the stupid jokes it's mm-hmm. really our aristocrats and so um it'll it'll hit uh you know we're tentatively threatening the world with it um in time for halloween mm-hmm. it's beautiful uh and there'll be more details to come on how to get it at yeah a point. subscribe to my Substack to be the first to know Mm. and i think the nice thing is um i don't know how many conventions you're doing coming up but i think you have already coined i think the best thing to put on your next convention banner which is an actual monster with physical needs if you put that (laughs) jerry duggan an actual monster with physical needs i don't see how you're not gonna be the hit of the con we've only ever seen the monsters when they're hungry we haven't really met the monsters when they're horny and right. look and look you can keep coming up with good slogans for convention banners all day <laughs> but actually i don't i i, I figured uh, rather than talk about an upcoming book that isn't quite announced we could talk about something that you have going on right now which is uh, your photo book which is on kickstarter um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm very excited about that. It's um, <clears throat> the pandemic um, forced me to um, obviously uh, sequester at home, and I was not walking around um, sh- shooting photos like I would have been. Uh, the gift of that was to be able to sort of take stock of what I had photographed over the last twenty years, right. um, and I, I did. Um, it, it started almost as a um, uh, like a 
janitorial or custodial um, task of going, hey, is all this stuff backed up? You know, I, I have a, a unlimited Dropbox because of the comic files. And then I'm actually really glad because I found some hard drives that I thought were up in the cloud that weren't. And then I was mm -hmm. finding photos that I loved that um, almost shouldn't be associated with me that they were so good. And then finding a lot of stuff that I thought was good that I thought, oh, this is kind of pedestrian. The nice thing about um, the photos, I think most of them anyway, were uh, shot with a, a Leica camera um, back in the day when, when David O'Sullivan and I had analog optioned by um, Chad Stahelski mm. uh, to be a feature. I threw some of the option money at a camera. Um, I've always loved um, photography and uh, that's in the book. It's, it's more or less an autobiog uh, autobiography through photos of my 20 years sort of forest dumping through Hollywood and comics. Um, so I, I may not be your favorite comics creator, but I probably have photographed them, uh, <laughs> candids yeah. and, and portraits and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. I sort of wanted to like dive in on that a little bit. Um, this might be clunky because uh, I'm a seasoned veteran at interviewing people about comics. Now you're our third guest. <laughs> so like I've kind of, said everything there is to say about comics so i wanted to go into the world of photography mm, um yeah so some of this might some of this is going to come from a very lay perspective i guess um but i i feel like your your book which i i looked at uh an early build of and and it's gorgeous and Mm. Uh, obviously you know anyone who knows you knows your photography stuff and and is in love with it and you're sort of known as like the guy the guy around comics who's taking the beautiful pictures behind the scenes and um but but the book is is so beautiful and i sort of wonder you know to to back it up a little bit I, I know that a lot of directors a lot of film directors like got their start as doing photography or like that's a side passion for them is that something like you're in a you went a different route you're you're a writer and you're a comic book writer is there a connection there? Is there something to, is there, do you see a connectivity between writing comics and, and being a photographer? Are these totally separate things? No, it's a great question. Um, the, the truth is I always wanted to be able to draw and I never had the skill and I was never good enough. Um, but the, really the, the, the impulse to, you know, try and create a, a, a visual image though has basically, you know, transferred in my in in my brain from trying to draw with a, a, a pencil in my hand to trying to shoot something indelible with the camera in my hand. And, um, you know, as I've gotten better over the years, I think it's really become almost like a prosthesis. You know, um, I, I do I, um, I try not to be seen photographing I'm, mm -hmm. I'm somewhat successful with that. Um, you know, I, I went all the way to Japan and the laws there are different. You know, if you take a, a, a photograph of someone here, you own that photograph, you know, that's, that's, um, that's yours. They, they couldn't demand that you say delete it or they, they might be able to, but they wouldn't have the legal standard to do it over there. They, they, you, you can ask someone to delete it and that would be well within your right. So I was trying to be very, I'm always trying to be a little respectful, but I think the great street photographers are actually up in people's faces a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that, that was the, the thing that, um, really sort of got my passion reignited was, 
hey, getting invited, it's very, it's a great privilege to be invited to go to Comic Cons around the world. What you don't really want to end up doing is sort of sitting in a hotel room or, or writing a script, uh, you know, waiting for the con to start. I'd rather be outside walking around the city, exploring, um, you know, new places and having the camera, um, you know, uh, in your hand while you do that, you, you may find things. Uh, I've certainly also been able to find reference. So the mm -hmm. one art is feeding the other of, you know, being able to share with um, my collaborators in comic books, some of my photography to go, hey, something like this, don't don't exactly feel like you have to do this, but it it, it does inform um, the other. And I've always wanted to to shoot film. You know, uh, when, I, when I first got out to Los Angeles 20 years ago, I was meeting with agents. They were reading my writing. I wasn't, you know, even comics were percolating. Mm -hmm. um, I had yet to work with Noto. Hossein uh, and I were working on a script called The Last Christmas about Santa Claus after the apocalypse. But in talking to those agents, you know, I'd say, here's here's my, um, you know, apocalypse comedy horror. Here's my um, coming of age movie about a kid that builds a submarine in high school. And here's my fantasy. And, you know, they would just sort of say time out and just go, I don't know how to sell you. You know, mm -hmm. you're really all over the place. And, and actually, there is um, sort of a controlled chaos in the book that feels like that, because some of it is behind the scenes um, behind a curtain in a, in a place you don't ordinarily get to, to experience uh, being in. And then some of it is obviously street photos from around the world. It, it, it only really makes sense because you're following it through in my lens, mm -hmm. you know, whether, whether or not you're probably you have a much greater chance to enjoy it if you are my fan, but if you're not, if you um, are coming into it cold, I'm going to be very curious what the experience of the book is like. I, 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 I see, you know, like I, I get your point and I think there is a good insight into you and, and, and as your friend, I, I really appreciate it, but I, I would disagree that I think like um, it's really a fascinating sort of look at just capturing a person's life in a, in a, in a interesting way. And I think you do a great job of, of selling it to people like I, I don't think you'd need to be a fan of yours or know who you are or know who the comics people are obviously mm -hmm. i think the people who listen to this podcast will recognize mm -hmm. that like you know jason aaron and john hickman and and brian bendis and you know all those people are in the book but uh i think even if you don't know those people the shots are beautiful and you're seeing a process that people mm -hmm. don't get to see and i think that's really amazing well thank you yeah i appreciate it i i um you know again i had a lot to work with and if nothing else, it's a it's a like a lens that I think is the best glass in the world. So even though you know you're seeing two comic creators conspire in almost near dark in some of them, and and I do call out where very specific things happen in these moments that actually did affect comic books. You know, we you know from going to those Marvel retreats that most of the like big bangers of of an idea actually don't occur in the room. They occur at night while your brain is marinating on what happened in those mm -hmm. in those meetings. And then all of a sudden at night, your brain goes, hey, what about this? The what ifs start coming out. And and literally, I just had my camera in, in my hand when some of those things were happening, especially in the, the Krakoa era where Jonathan and, and Pepe and RB had come to the table with this brand new way to see the mutants. And then 
Um, you know, I was very lucky. I was coming back from space at that moment. Guardians was rapping. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was actually mm -hmm. planning a pretty aggressive push into creator and stuff. And then it became, when I heard the, the first time the house, house of X, I just knew going in, Oh, Hickman has a X-Men story. What I didn't understand was that that idea was how fertile it was, how, how much oxygen it brought to the room where mm -hmm. You know, there are ideas that that's that are so big that run so hot that steal oxygen. This was exactly the opposite. This mm -hmm. was almost an operating system. And all of a sudden, uh, the thought of maybe never getting a, a crack at, at any X-Men or X-Men uh, family book, all of a sudden it became, hey, we need a line of books. Does anyone have ideas? And like, you know, it, it just... Yeah. It was, it, it, it really um, was lightning in a bottle in, in so many ways. And, you know, again, the right place, right time, that's where the title comes from. You know, the, like that's been my story. Um, you know, obviously I work, uh, I've been very lucky to have great collaborators, but, it, you know, so much of this stuff is just going, holy, holy smoke, the, the stars aligned, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sort of, I'm fascinated by you're talking about being, you know, in the room and, and having your camera at hand and that gives you an advantage. I, I wonder also for some of the stuff you're shooting, obviously, you know, the stuff with comic stuff that is, you know, you're in a room that, that where everyone understands why you're there. You're, you're there because you're on equal footing with Jason and, and John and all these other creators and Donnie and, and me and whoever else at teeny and all these people who are in these photos um, and then there's ones where not to not to besmirch you in any way, but you're <laughs> you're around people who are uh, quite a few notches in fame above you. You have photos of, you know, Mark Hamill and Clint Eastwood. And um, yeah, it's it's, um, you know, again, like I didn't use Forrest Gump lightly when when I sort of described <laughs> like my my trajectory through it all. It's it's funny, you know, um I thought pre-comic books, my journey, I thought, was really into being a late night writer. Mm -hmm. That was what I thought I was going to do. My, you know, I was reading comic books until Letterman came on. And then when Letterman came on, I put the comics down, watched Letterman, and then went to school very tired the next day. <laughs> and, and so coming out to Los Angeles, um, you know, I, I didn't have a car. So my first job was Golden Apple Comics. Very lucky to get that job. But then also talk, talk about timing and luck that was pre iron man so mm -hmm. the town you know the the town's gaze fell over comics in this big way and then all of a sudden i thought i was going to have to save for a car to get a job to get into production to work my way up as a pa and and some of these scenarios and then you know in through the door was marching you know everyone in hollywood so mm -hmm. even from that being able to then pivot into and bring some of my writing talent into into Hollywood for shows. Um, I ended up at the production company that was uh, wrapping Mr. Show at the time, and then yeah. being in the same offices with so many of my literal heroes, and then mm -hmm. learning from them and sort of like the first time you, you make that room laugh, uh, you know, uh, Hussein looked at me and goes, good job, now write now write 10 more, you know? And I, was <laughs> like, oh. I was like, shit, I was like, all right, I see how it is. Um, but, but, you know, th that's the, you know, um, Los Angeles is one of our biggest cities, but it's also Hollywood is 
a small town in, inside of it. And mm -hmm. so um, award shows, you know, like I didn't have my camera back then, but I worked on the show VH1's Big in 03. And, you know, <laughs> Beyonce was like the, the, the like up and comer, you know, and like I, in a room full of stars, she walked in and like, like the orbits changed. You could just feel everyone go, oh, there's, there's a star. And Clint had that same, um, uh, like, uh, ambiance about him. You know, mm -hmm. he walked into the room almost like a, like a low pressure system. And the, like, no one said anything. And you could turn and just go, oh, there's Denise. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did something spectacularly stupid. I offered him some of our Lefroig 12 forgetting that he had been sober longer than I'd been alive. And he just, he was very cool. He just said, no, thank you, young man. I don't imbibe. And that was, that was that. And then later we had another moment. I really was trying to photograph Ann V. Coates, who I think probably inarguably cut the most famous shot in cinema history in Lawrence of Arabia, that long, long mm -hmm. shot. Um, uh, and then later had a couple of moments with with those two and and you know again they're just moments in time that that are stolen by photos um, mm. you know I wished I'd had my my great camera back then um, you know uh, and a lot of this also due to when um, you know Patton would be asked Patton Oswalt would be asked to go host um, uh, uh, award shows um, and and you know, he's the biggest fan of the stuff in the world. And obviously writing for Patton, there's no easier job in the world. So when Patton's offstage, um, his brother Matt and I just try to listen to the show in case there's something that occurs that he needs to know about while he's sort of mingling with everyone. And, you know, they're very fun, very chill events. They're not televised in the, for the most part. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're industry events. The, the Visual Effects Society Awards are so cool because we're all such big fans and, you know, getting to then meet um, some of the people that, um, you know, we, we have been so fond of for so long is, is very gratifying. It's cool. Um, you know, there's one funny story that the pictures are not in the book, but the, the, uh, the year that gravity was up for mm -hmm. seven, actually gravity was so good. It was competing against itself. So gravity interiors and gravity exteriors of the of the space station were up for the best awards that year. And we got there early to the Beverly Hilton and we're sitting in this love seat, me, Patton and his manager and in walks Sandra Bullock. And we kind of bumbled into each other to get up. And she just looks at us and she goes, oh, forget it. You know, just, just, and, and Patton just goes, oh, thank God. And we just, that was like how the evening started and everyone wants to come to play, you know, that's the fun thing. And then being asked by some of those folks, Hey, you got a joke and, and you either have one or you don't, but in that moment, you just, you, you flip one off and, and hopefully it hits. If it doesn't, uh, you buy him a drink after. I remember years ago, uh and i don't know uh we can cut it if you st if you stole the joke but you uh i think you were staying in my you were staying on my couch for a couple of days after one of the marvel summits because you had work in new york and you were like i'm gonna get a hotel room and i was like no crash with me save yourself some money and we were just hanging out and uh you told some story and you're you're sort of known around comics for being one of the like great storytellers you command a table really well and uh you were telling some story and it was 
incredibly funny. And I was like, man, Jerry, do you ever think of doing doing stand up? Like you're so funny and you're friends with, you know, Patton and, and Posehn and those guys. Like, do you ever think about that? And you just looked at me and you went, uh, why would I want to stand in front of a brick wall and talk about my dick? And that like that stuck with me so much that I was like, that's the funniest response to asking someone if they want to be a comedian, if they ever wanted to be a comedian. But I think it's also like just so such a fascinating take, because to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jerry, definitely. Like if you if I didn't know, I'd be like, yeah, Jerry definitely set out to be like a stand up comic, to be that kind of mm -hmm. like a storyteller comic. And for you, but here we are, and you like being behind the scenes, and you like being behind the camera, and I think that's fascinating. I think that's sort of a fascinating thing that we don't see a lot, and I think the book sort of celebrates that in a, in a fun way, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it, it it does. I mean, i i went um, I went to college at Emerson, and that that was there were performers there. There was opportunities to sort of honestly learn to do stand up without actually trying to go do stand up. Um, I thought about it, um, you know, and I, I certainly, um, you know, have done some performing. I actually went to Emerson to study Shakespeare. So I was there under uh, Kristen Linklater and I just didn't enjoy the business of acting. And then I didn't mm -hmm. let that sort of, um, the, 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 you know, the, being a standup, I think is the toughest job in the world. I love going mm -hmm. to see them. I, what I actually really like to try and do more is is get something down that is permanent on paper. That was, you know, I, I can hear those things. I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm quick on my feet. I, I wrote live television for a long time. And so nothing in comic books has ever been as challenging as going, sure. you have a live show in 15 minutes and these people <laughs> need something to say. It's mm -hmm. just you know that so print deadlines become you know it's you're training denver at live tv and then you you go down to to print um just and it's hard to get that experience anymore so i love comedians i love what they do um they are brave souls exposing themselves to the world sure um but i uh yeah i always just tried to sort of write the jokes more than get out there and, and do them and and really you know the, the 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 fun thing about those shows is you know i don't think i've ever written anything uh you know for patent that didn't that, that i didn't then go well i can't take credit for that because there were three other jokes you know i wrote the caboose of that or whatever you know uh -huh. like they become something entirely different so mm -hmm. it, honestly like in those situations we're you know, you just never want to feel like you're alone, especially mm -hmm. in a room that that you have so many peers in. You know, you have uh, nobody has to carry the world at that moment. Somebody might have the great joke. So I met Drucker through that, and um, uh, Mike Drucker, very funny uh, comedian and writer. That that um, and and it's fun. It's honestly just fun. You know, that's work that is fun. Like the 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 night ends. Yeah, you. you high five everyone everyone goes their separate ways and the next year you you do it again yeah mm -hmm. i you know i i the thing that fascinates me is i i feel like a lot of the uh and i don't think you're this person by nature but i think that looking at the photos is so interesting to me because i feel like a lot of a lot of people if you put them in these rooms with these people they're going to shoot their shot in a sense like you're you're in a room with jj abrams you're in a room with Ryan Coogler, you're in a room with 
people who can make careers. You're in a room with people who mm-hmm. you want to ingratiate yourself to, and you're behind a camera taking photos mm-hmm. of them at the time. And obviously, you're talking to them and interacting with them, but like, it feels like there's something beautiful because I know you could put, you know, a thousand writers in there and they're all going to be trying to spend as much face time with them. And you're literally putting something between your face and theirs. <laughs> and I think that's really, it's really beautiful. And it cap and you capture something really good in that. I mean, there's a photo of yeah. Ryan Coogler in the book that like, it's a very simple photo, but it's beautiful. And it's really, um, it, it gives you the feeling of being there, which I know means that in a sense, you weren't there in that moment. Yeah. You were I want to try and be invisible. Yeah. It's, you know what? I don't, um, I, I, uh, you know, the idea about being there, but coming away with something that, um, you know, is a stolen moment feels really fun. And that's what photography yeah. is. It's our, it's our safest way. It's our only way right now to travel backwards in time sure. and, and actually be there and actually have it work. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, I, again, the, the, the funny thing is what I try to do is bring that same sort of quiet street style to those, those rooms. You know, if I'm on the subway, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. There are a few shots in the book where you can see me looking the other way than I'm actually shooting um, in mm-hmm. reflections. And I do that a lot. I, I, because, you know, I think those moments are more honest when someone is not really aware that, that they're necessarily being photographed, even though I think everyone should have no expectation of privacy now at all, walking out around, you're going to be on somebody's GoPro on top of a motorcycle or a security camera, or honestly, the photography uh, that I do almost feels more honest, like like in, in a in a world where everything is 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 on video forever yeah. and available to everyone, it, it's uh, a quiet moment that uh, I hope is beautiful. And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Jerry Duggan on his career and his new photo book on Kickstarter, Timing Slash Luck. Make sure you check out the photo book by searching Timing Slash Luck on Kickstarter or just clicking the link in our description. You can also check out Jerry's Substack at jerryduggan.substack.com to see everything else that he's working on. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion, and in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdon'tbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at Ashcan Press on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.